Zephaniah 3.17 says this, the Lord your God is with you. He, the mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you, in his love. He will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And so if God is singing over us today, then how much more should we sing to him? Let's stand this morning and, and sing. And as Psalm 47 even says, clap your hands, all you people, and shout to God with loud songs. And so let's sing this morning. Everyone needs compassion.
God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. And yes, he is stronger and he is higher. He is the one that turns water into wine. He's the one that, that takes all our broken pieces and restores and makes us whole again. And he is the one who is with us today. May we turn our eyes and our attention on the God who is strong and the God who is with us. Water you turned into one. Let's see. Take an opportunity this morning to greet one another. I, I about, I about missed.
Good morning. Good morning. If you want to go ahead and have a seat, we just want to say welcome to you, especially if you are a guest with us today. We want to say welcome, and we're going to ask that you pass the friendship pads. Those are on the right sides of the um, aisles, so pass them down. Everybody sign it, and it's very important if you sign it, um, if you're a guest, that we get your information. It's how we start getting to know who you are. So uh, then when, when you're done, pass it back so you can see who you're sitting with, and then you can greet them by name after the service. Again, we're glad that you're here. What? Okay. I am ready to go. For? For Nerf and Nachos. Oh, okay. I'm ready. <laughs> Nerf and Nachos is coming up this coming Saturday night. So if you haven't signed up, we hope that you will. That's for fourth through sixth graders um, here at the church. I have my dark compatible guns, my eye protection. So bring that and get your appetite ready. And I am going to take you fourth through sixth graders down. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> we do have a few other announcements to um, call attention to. T today is the road rally for our, our uh, elementary aged boys, and so uh, parents and everyone will join us here today as they'll be racing their cars. And if you've got a car and you're not an RA, you can still come, it, come and uh, participate in that as well. Uh, just a couple other announcements. Today is the last day to sign up for the reduced price for Passport Kids, and today is the last day to sign up for the Kenya mission trip. So that information is there in your bulletin as well. This Wednesday night, we start a new class, and every, all the adults will go together for that as we learn a little bit about the new Apostolic Reformation. So you, we invite you to join us for that as Bruce Herman will be leading that. And if you haven't picked up your church directory, if you had your picture made in the one before and this one, you can still pick up that free one in the church office. And just a reminder to put it in your head that next Sunday uh, we spring forward. So uh, just make sure you note that in your, in your head. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you take us however you find us. And when we surrender to you, you do amazing things in our lives. Nothing is impossible when we let go and follow you because you are great and strong. And there is so much around us to keep us from you. So God, help us to choose you. In your name we pray. Amen. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by His nail-pierced hand. I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus.
Well, I'd rather have Jesus than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin, held in sin's dread sway. Yes, I'd rather have Jesus. Would you rather have Jesus? I'd rather have Jesus. Would you rather have Jesus? I'd rather have Jesus. Would you rather have Jesus today? Oh God, would you hear our prayer today from our hearts, from our lips, that, that we would rather have you than silver or gold, houses, lands, men's applause, We'd rather have you than anything else. In Jesus' name, amen. What a great song for our message this morning. You know, we've been uh, talking about invitations that Jesus extends as we've looked at them from several of the Gospels thus far. And it's almost like everybody responds and goes. And we're going to study uh, an individual today who did not. Uh, Jesus encouraged this gentleman to follow him, and he... He made another decision, uh, and you've heard the story before. Luke's Gospel, if you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to the 18th chapter, uh, and I'll begin with the 18th verse. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible with men is possible with God. Peter said to him, We've left all we had to follow you. I'll tell you the truth, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. This is the word of God for the people of God. This story is actually found in all of the synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is called the maverick gospel. He just has a totally different way of approaching things. It's not chronological. It's different. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all of them, as they told the story of Jesus and the things that they heard him teach and watched him do, they include this particular story. And when you take all three of the records together from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you can put all the pieces together. We know that this man was rich that he was young, Matthew's gospel tells us he was young, uh, and that he was a ruler. And we don't know ruler, we think maybe in, the, in the, the Roman, he's probably a ruler of a synagogue. Most of your commentaries will tell you this was a religious man. And so when Jesus confronted him, if you look at those things, you know, you know the commandments, he actually lists five of the Ten Commandments. If you look at the Ten Commandments in Exodus, the first four deal with our relationship with God, the, the last six deal with our relationship with other people, he listed five of those six. The only one he didn't list was covetousness. And so the man could ascertain, I, I, I've, I've affirmed, I've done all these other five, and then Jesus said, one, one thing you lack. This man probably has the dubious distinction to be the only person we find in the Bible who comes to the feet of Jesus and leaves in a worse condition than when he came. So many people came to the feet of Jesus in the course of his lifetime. Legion came, uh, lepers came, and they were healed. 
Nobody touched them. Nobody went anywhere near lepers, but they came, and Jesus healed them of a disease that really had ostracized them from society and everything that they could possibly want. Legion came, and the demons left him. There's a paralytic lowered through the roof of a, a house one time where Jesus was teaching. Some people had to lower him. He couldn't walk, and he walked out on his own two feet. A centurion pleaded with Jesus on behalf of his deathly ill servant, and he was healed. A woman with a bleeding disorder for 12 years touched the hem of his garment, and she was healed. Martha came grieving the death of her brother Lazarus, and Jesus brought him back to life. You can go through the Gospels, and everyone who came to the feet of Jesus, it appears, leaves in a wonderfully different, better condition than when they came, except this man. And he was a good man. As you look through the scriptures, he, he's a good man. He had a lot of things going for him. He was young. He was wealthy. He was an established leader already at a young age. He was religious. He was probably very moral because of his religious life, his, his uh, leadership in, in, in Judaism. And I believe he was very sincere. I think that when he came, he wasn't trying to take small talk. He felt something missing in his life, and he approached Jesus with the right question, the right person, and got the right answer. And he left a sad man. It's hard to do. Hard to come to the feet of Jesus and ask him for something and walk away sad. And yet this man did just that. His problem was not his wealth. His problem was his perspective. You can be an intensely rich person and be in a right relationship with Jesus. You could be the richest man or richest woman in our country, richest man or richest woman in the world, and be in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. The problem was not his wealth. The problem was his perspective. This man was focused on this world instead of eternity. Even though his question to Jesus was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This man knew deep down inside with all that he had, all that was going for him, something in his life was missing. And that's that spiritual void that God has created in every single one of us that will not be filled and cannot be filled until we have Jesus. Until we place our faith in Jesus Christ, that spiritual vacuum is going to feel like a, a huge hole, a huge emptiness in our life. He was focused on what he could do instead of what only God can do. He thought he could do something to buy, to earn, to whatever, to get eternal life. When in fact, eternal life is a gift from God to those who trust him. And this man, at the bottom line, he was trusting in his riches. He wasn't willing to give his wealth away and let God provide for his needs. He was trusting in what he accumulated for himself. He was focused on earthly treasures instead of treasures in heaven. And Jesus drew a clear distinction for that in, in Matthew's gospel in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6. By the way, the Sermon on the Mount is about living holy lives in a, in a fallen world. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so Jesus, in communicating to his disciples and to us today how to live a godly life in the world that we live in, don't store up treasures on earth. Store them up in heaven. He encouraged this ruler to focus on treasure in heaven as well. That's what he said to him. Sell what you have, give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Jesus made it as a statement of fact, because it is indeed a fact. He was focused on the short-term cost instead of the long-term cost. The short-term cost would have been able to sell all of his wealth, when in fact the long-term cost was losing eternal life. He was focused on the rewards in this life instead of the rewards later. Jesus said, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. And so he was focused on what he had now and not what he would have later. His perspective was skewed by one thing, the deceitfulness of wealth. I borrowed that term from Jesus. You've heard the parable of the sower and the seed in Mark chapter 4. 
Jesus is telling a wonderful parable. It was one that he, one of the ones he explained. He said, a sower went out and sowed seed, and it set, fell on four different kinds of soil. Some of it fell on the path, and the birds came and, and ate it before it had time to germinate. And some fell on thin soil or rocky soil. It's, that means it's thin soil. It didn't have any room to grow some deep roots, so when the sun came out, it just scorched the plant, and it died. And some fell among thorns, and it got choked out by the thorns and, and didn't produce anything either. And then finally, some fell on good soil, and it produced 30, 60, or 100-fold uh, productivity in that particular soil. The disciples asked on this particular parable for an explanation, and Jesus gave it to them. And I gave you the brief things, but I want to go back and review, because that thorn thing, we can say, well, sure, that's, by the way, my garden in Kentucky, where I passed a church that Parsonage was right next to it, and I didn't have a choice whether to have a garden. They all grew stuff, and they came and plowed a little thing for me, and they said, here, Pastor, there's your garden. Well, everybody sees it every Sunday when they come in. <laughs> and it had a lot of weeds and stuff in it, and it was just, it was, they didn't, they didn't plow it for me the next year, by the way. <laughs> but here's what Jesus says about that thorn, and I, and I want us to dig a little deeper in there because it's very insightful. He said, he's given the explanation. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, Hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Jesus does not say wealth choked it out. Jesus said the deceitfulness of wealth choked it out. It can hinder the growth of God's word in our heart. Think about that for just a second. The Bible tells us many times to take the word and let it plant and grow roots. And Jesus is telling us that the deceitfulness of wealth, among other things, will preclude the growth of God's word in our heart. We find in the book of Deuteronomy that it can also cause us to forget God. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 13 and 14. And when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold, we just sang about that a moment ago, increase and all you have is multiplied... Then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And that's exactly what happened. God miraculously brought his people out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land. I mean, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. We've heard that phrase since we were children. It was an amazing place. And once they had all that stuff, they forgot about God. It took one generation. One generation. And it was the beginning of the end of their time in the promised land that God had established them and would have been happy to let them stay there f forever. It can lead to many temptations. We wrote, read, move into the New Testament. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And so the Bible tells us in not only the Old Testament, but the New Testament, that this deceitfulness of wealth and what it can give us and what it provides for us can cause us to leave the Christian faith. This man is a perfect example. Here's a man who is asking about eternal life. That's the right question, folks. That's the question of a lifetime. Most important question we'll ask. How can I have eternal life? That's what Christ came to bring us, John 3, 16. Well, we place our faith in Jesus Christ and not in the wealth uh, of the riches of this world. It can lead a, lead a person to choose his wealth over eternal life. Folks, it is not the money. It's the value we attach to it. Jesus says how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Is it so hard? Because the tendency of possessions is to shackle our thoughts and our heart to this world. We have so much invested in the things that we've accumulated that we don't want to leave them. We don't, we don't want to part with them. And relationships can do the same thing until they're gone. I'll tell you what I found in 34, 35 years of ministry. We get very attached to the things that are fresh, precious to us in this life, even relationships. And then all of a sudden, after a 60 or 65 or 70-year marriage, our loved one departs and goes to heaven. And guess what that does to your perspective? It changes it. And our longing for heaven increases. We're not as attached to this world anymore because someone special has been taken, or another loved one 
a child that dies prematurely or whatever it may be, all of a sudden we realize that the things that we have that we enjoy and place value on this earth are not lasting, not here. And our perspective begins to change. The same applies to our possessions as we near the end of our time on this earth. We realize we can't take a single penny with us. And so it no longer has its pull on us. That's the point Jesus made in the parable of the man who built new barns. Here's a man who had so much grain he couldn't get in his barns. He said, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build new ones. I'm going to fill them with my grain. And I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus called the man a fool. You're a fool. Because your life's going to be required of you tonight. And then who's going to have all your stuff? And so the deceitfulness of wealth gets us feeling good about ourselves and what we've accumulated. And we don't want to part with it. And Jesus is trying to tell us something important about eternal perspective. Randy Alcorn has written a book entitled The Treasure Principle. If you've not read it, I would highly recommend it to you. It'll get you to think about what Jesus is talking to us about, about true treasure and where it really is. His end, bottom line is you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. We can't take a single penny, not a single bank account, nothing goes with us. But Jesus is telling us, and the Bible tells us in other places, we can send it on ahead. This treasure in heaven is not some uh, spoofy thing. It's real. And whatever that means, Jesus has told us repeatedly in his own words and other places in Scripture, don't build up treasure on earth. Instead, build it up in heaven. Every one of us can store up treasure in heaven that will last for all eternity. That was Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. That was the truth Jesus was trying to communicate to the rich young ruler in this particular passage. That's Jesus' encouragement to you and to me today. Think long term. Have an eternal perspective about life. Jesus loves us enough to tell us the truth, and he does it for our benefit. To call us out on that one thing that we value more than our relationship with him. To give us an eternal perspective so we can order our lives now accordingly and live them out according to his values and his priorities. To challenge us to follow him because he knows where the journey leads us. Folks, we're following someone who's going to take us home. When Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but by me. When Jesus says, follow me, he is taking us home. And so we ought to take him at his word, whatever that means. And it certainly means valuing our relationship with him more than our material possessions. The account of the rich young ruler does not require us to sell everything and give it to the poor. That is not what this Bible teaches. Unless that's your one thing. Unless that's the one thing that is keeping you from following Jesus, then Jesus would probably tell you, like he told the rich young ruler, sell it. All of it. Give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. It does require us to love God more than anything else, including all of our material possessions. It does require us to be faithful stewards of all that God has given us, not just the 10% that we give to the Lord, but the 90% that we keep for ourselves. I and you are required to be faithful stewards of everything that the Lord has blessed us with in this life. We belong to Him. And it does require that we give from our wealth to advance the kingdom of God. And to help other people in need. And that's part of what the church does. And when you give to the ministry resource plan at our church, that's where a lot of that money goes. Advancing God's kingdom and helping those in need. We have a decision to make this morning. We can leave here happy or we can leave here sad. We can surrender our one thing, whatever it is, and follow Jesus. Or we can hold on to our one thing and go our own way and follow the world. We can live for the present, or we can live for eternity. As I dwelt with this text all week, I thought about Jesus' life on this earth. He didn't have a home. I don't think he had any material possessions. He had an eternal perspective. He lived here for 33 years. I'm sure the Father took care of his needs. And Jesus had an eternal perspective. He wasn't worried about anything on this earth. And he's encouraging us to have the same perspective. The Bible says that God is conforming us into the image of his son Jesus. Too many times, I mean, he is Jesus. I understand that. But he was fully human. 
And he chose every day of his life to live with an eternal perspective. He knew where he came from. He knew who he was. He knew what God's purpose for his life was. And he knew where he was going. And you and I can know the same thing. We know where we came from. We've been created in God's image. We know why we're here. We're here to meet Jesus in a personal way and to live for him. And we know where we're going. Not one of us will stay here on this earth for eternity. We're going home. We're going to be with the Father. We're going to be with the Jesus who, our Jesus who blazed the way. And Jesus is encouraging you and me this morning to have an eternal perspective on life. It'll change everything that we do. And it'll change the abundant life that we live. Let's pray together. Father, we get a little antsy when the Word talks about our stuff. And the reason is because we're attached to our stuff. And so, Father, I thank you for the health that we have, the jobs that we have, the provision that you have made through our health and our jobs to take care of all of our needs. But help us not to be drawn away from you by the deceitfulness of wealth. The lie that we can provide for ourselves, the lie that the things that we make is our own, help us to embrace the truth that we belong to you and our stuff belongs to you. Help us, Father, to do exactly what your Son encouraged us to do, to not store up treasures on earth, but instead to store treasures up in heaven. Thank you, Father, for loving us to tell us enough to tell us the truth. Thank you for taking care of our every need in life as we place our faith in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is a real tragedy when anyone chooses anything over eternal life. If you're here this morning and you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, I want to invite you to do that this morning. Trust the God who made you in his image. Trust the God who loves you enough to send his son to this earth to die for you. Trust the God who wants to bring you home at the end of your journey on this earth. You can make your decision to receive Jesus during our hymn of invitation this morning. Christian, I know every time I talk about money, people get a little anxious. That's between you and the Lord. I don't know what your giving record is. He does. He knows the value that you and I place on our stuff. And so if you're uncomfortable, then I'd encourage you to have a conversation with the Lord about why. And I encourage you to follow Jesus' advice to let go and trust God to provide for your every need in life. If you're looking for a church home, we've had a lot of people visiting, several joining, a lot of baptisms last week. We'd love to have you be a part of our fellowship. If God is leading you in that direction, I pray that you'll make that decision this morning as well. Whatever God is speaking to your heart, I pray that you'll listen and that you'll respond. Let's stand as we sing. I've come to know Though my heart and flesh may fail There's an anchor for my soul I can say it is well Jesus has overcome And the grave is over
the voice of many angels. And I hear the voice of many angels. Worthy is, worthy is the Lamb. And I hear the cry of every longing heart. Worthy is the Lamb. And I hear the Good morning. We often talk about stewardship. We talk about time, talent, and money. Oftentimes the focus is on money, but I want to talk about time for just a minute. Um, opportunities to serve not only help us to meet other folks in fellowship, but more importantly, provide us opportunities to minister to others. And just a reminder, um, oftentimes it, we're reluctant to step out and, and do something new, try something new. Just a reminder that God doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called. And I just want to remind you of two opportunities coming up. First, March 21st, the grounds work day right here on the premises. And then the following weekend, Operation In as much opportunity to step out in the community to minister to others um, with our time. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the many gifts and blessings that you have blessed us with. Now, as we offer back a portion of what you've given to us, we ask that you would please accept our gifts and bless them to the glory of your kingdom. Pray in your name. Amen.
pleased to present two women who come uh, to join our church. Both of them already have a relationship with the Lord, but would like to be a, a part of Snyder Memorial Baptist. Katie Cyphers, please come on up. And Holly Fleming. Holly's already very, very active. I've been in correspondence with Katie this week. We're going to get together and talk a little bit. She's a new person in, in my life, and I want to get to know her a little bit more and, and encourage her in her walk with Christ. But if you celebrate these decisions, will you say welcome to Snyder? And I'm letting you out early today so you can come by and give them a handshake or a hug, all right? Let's stand for a benediction. Father, thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you for showing that love each and every day. The sunrise that greeted us this morning, the breath that we breathe every day, the gift of eternal life that is ours by faith in your son, Jesus Christ. And these two new women who have come to be a part of our fellowship here. I pray that we'll embrace them with open arms as we continue to pull together here at Snyder to be the church you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.